on-demand coverage. This is the PFT PM Podcast. And now, your host, Mike Florio. June 19 edition of the PFT PM Podcast. How are you? Slow time is here, which means, you know, we'll find some shit to talk about. I'll feel less guilty if I talk about something other than football. Some news that has emerged since we went off the air earlier today, PFT Live. There's really nothing huge going on today. Doug Marone says that they're not going to catch anybody by surprise this year in Jacksonville. Well, that's not a surprise. They're going to be the hunted. They've been overlooked for years. They've been the hunters. Now they're the team that everyone's going to try to beat. One of the teams. There's a short list of teams in each conference every year that carries that that mantle of team that gets your A game. Oh, professional athletes don't think that way. They bring their best every week. Sure they do. Sure they do. Yeah, they don't look at the schedule like we all do when it comes out. For fans, it's the largely moot exercise of that's a win, that's a loss, that's a win, that's a loss. For players, it's we're going to have to buckle down that week. Oh, this week will be easy. That's essentially a bye week. Oh, we play them. We play that team. Ooh, everybody loves that team now. Let's go kick their asses. So it is part of the mentality that comes into play. And the Jaguars are, for the first time in more than a decade, going to be one of the teams that other teams will want to kick their asses. Not really a surprise. It really is kind of a slow day. The Browns signed Greg Robinson. How about that? Greg Robinson, the former number two overall pick who had flamed out. I remember when he was drafted, someone told me that he's going to fail. And I was told he's going to fail because at Auburn, I believe it was, very simple offense, very simple blocking scheme. And the concern was he wasn't going to be able to adjust to the mental reality of life in the NFL. And what's happened since 2014? He's completely disappeared from the NFL. Now he's back. Maybe he'll compete for playing time at left tackle. Now that Joe Thomas is gone, Sean Coleman penciled in as the starter. I think it's just... A low-risk, potential high-reward. Bring this guy in and see if maybe they can coach him into something that can help them offensively. Something that can assist the effort to make that team better. A lot of people excited about the Browns. Scott McLuhan, former Washington and 49ers GM who spent some time consulting with the Browns this year, along with other teams. For whatever reason, the Browns like to perpetuate the idea that McLuhan was only consulting with the Browns. He tweeted recently that we shouldn't go to sleep on the Browns this year. I know we've kind of been feeling that way about the Browns. Like every year, there's a team that has been close to making the playoffs for several years that we say this is the year they break through. And there's a bad team that we say don't go to sleep on. Maybe not the Browns. Maybe the Browns are just starting to get toward that. I, I, I thought last year they'd be significantly better than 0-16. I thought they hit their low point in 2016. Now their low point's 2017. They can't go any lower. You can't win negative games 
I guess you can have fewer close games. That would be the other way that you could outdo yourself. To have 16 losses and more of them blowouts. We spent a lot of time talking about the Madden ratings on PFT Live today. Quarterback and team. Apparently, they are a work in progress. They're finalizing the game this week, I'm told. So maybe some input that we've provided, that others have provided. Maybe that'll result in some of these numbers being changed. The quarterback numbers seemed a bit off. And look, I understand these are the base numbers for the teams as the season starts. And the numbers will change as the season unfolds. But I just feel like there was too much spread among the quarterbacks. And I feel like there's too much spread among the team ratings. And you know what a lot of kids do, and a lot of people who play Madden do, and I think this is why it would be better if the the split from best to worst teams was a little bit tighter. They do that thing where they pick three teams randomly, and then they pick which of the three teams they'll be when they play each other. That's how the kids do it now. And you get some weird matchups that way. You just get bad luck, and you get one good team against one shitty team. And I know that if it's going to be a real simulation, you have to have that possibility. But I feel like there's more of a spread in these team rankings than there is in the actual NFL. And I know it's not supposed to be a reflection of what they were last year, a prediction of this year, but boy, the Rams' numbers are low. For all the talent they added to a team that made it to the playoffs, I don't know. Seems like it needs a little work. Seems like it needs a little fine-tuning. And the good thing about Madden, it can be quickly changed. The numbers can be adjusted. You download new rosters once a week. I just kind of like that. Kind of like how how they handle that. It's a fun game to play. I play it while I'm working out every single day. I miss rare occasions when I'm traveling, right? Can't work out. Well, you could work out. I I never work out when I'm on the road. I work out when I'm at home. I hate working. I, I hate that whole gym at a hotel routine. I hate that. I work out at home every day. Cardio, 45 minutes to an hour. Sometimes I'll do doubles, two 45-minute sessions. I play Madden the whole time. It's the only way that the clock moves without me constantly watching it. Highly recommend the Madden game. I went through a few years where I was disappointed that it wasn't as good as it could be. It's good enough. Could it be better? I mean, there are little things that can make it better, but it's a hell of a lot of fun to play in that ultimate team is a very addictive way to push yourself and compete and just build something. The problem is you start when the game comes out and you work toward making the team better and better. You start with like a 59 team and you do individual challenges to make your team better. You resist the temptation to buy stuff, buy packs, You could spend a shitload of money if you want to. And my guess is there's some kids out there that are running up mom and dad's credit card bill for a bunch of stuff that ultimately goes poof when the next Madden comes out. That's the problem. It's not like you're building this team that becomes dynastic. I got the team up to a 96 this year. Last year I got it to a 98. I still got another month. And see, as you get closer and closer to the end of the life cycle of the Madden game, it becomes easier to get great players. They become cheaper because they want to keep you playing through summer. I'm their perfect customer. I play year-round. 
but they need to keep people engaged in the slow months. So you'll notice after free agency, after the draft, it becomes a heck of a lot easier to get 99 ranked players. And they'll take players historically. There's a lot of historical players in Madden Ultimate Team. They're 99s, 98s. I've got guys like Derek Brooks, Ricky Jackson. I try to have a nice blend of former players and current players, but I just want great players. Brian Dawkins is phenomenal. Dan Marino is my quarterback, 99, rocket arm. If he struggles, he, me. If I struggle with him, I switch to Drew Brees, who's also a 99. But lots of 99s out there, and I think it'll continue until it all resets in August when the new game comes out. And we've got the numbers at PFT if you want to check them out. And, and maybe they'll change some of them. This Terrell Owens story with the Falcons concerned about Julio Jones hanging out with T.O. Uneasy is how D. Orlando Ledbetter explained it on ESPN Radio in Charlotte. Uneasy. You know why they're uneasy. Somebody making the robot self-aware. Somebody saying to Julio Jones, what the hell are you doing? You got three more years under contract. You're grossly underpaid. They're paying you $10 million this year, and now Matt Ryan's averaging $30 million. They're screwing you, Julio. Yeah, they're afraid that Julio is going to become like Owens was, and Owens was ahead of his time. Back in 2005, he had finished his first year under contract with the Eagles. He grossly outperformed it. Back in those days, under Joe Banner and company, the attitude was, screw you, you're signed. You have a contract. We're not doing anything about it. So Owens decided to be as disruptive as possible until they cut him or traded him. And it worked. He eventually got cut and he went to Dallas. Now, it was a nasty season that resulted in a lot of people hating Terrell Owens. But even now, and I've been talking about this and writing about it, the fans just don't support the players in those fights and I don't get it the players have limited years the players are the ones taking the physical risk the owners keep making money on money on money year after year decade after decade generation after generation and I think part of the problem is that we just view all of them as rich anybody who has more than us is rich Oh, they're all millionaires. You know what? The players aren't all millionaires. If you define a millionaire as a net worth of a million, where your assets outweigh your liabilities to the point where you've got more than a million difference, or million dollars liquid, where you got a million in the bank on top of whatever else you have, there aren't many players who fall into that category. A lot of young guys just starting out making... 600000 500000 Oh, that's a hell of a lot of money. Well, Uncle Sam takes his cut. And the cut gets bigger the more you make. So, between state and federal taxes, especially if you're in California, you're making six hundred grand. you are lucky to have three hundred grand when it's all said and done. So you got to stick around. That's just, that's just before you start paying for all your shit. That's just 300 grand in money you can spend. So you got to play, let's say, three years at least, because you, your minimum goes up. Let me find the minimum salaries. Well, we're talking about this, a little multitasking. Let's see if I can pull that off. Some days I can, some days I can't. 
Accessing Google, NFL minimum salaries 2018. Let's see what comes up here. Salaries 2018. All right, here we go. I think these are accurate. 480,000 is the minimum for somebody who is just entering the league. Then 555, then 630, then 705. Let's just add those four up. 480, you didn't think math would be involved in this, did you? Plus 555, plus like I'm doing it by hand. 630 plus 7005. That's 2.3 million over four years. All right, let's just say 45% of it goes to the government between state and federal. That leaves you with, wait a minute, I screwed it up. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Still doing the math. All right, times 0.55 is 1.3 million. That gives you 1.3 million over four years to spend. So after four years, will you have spent only $300,000 to live in four years? That's the only way you're walking out of the NFL after four seasons with a million dollars in the bank. And how long is that million dollars going to last when you're 25 years old? Most current and former NFL players are not rich. Some are. Some are filthy rich. They all earn it. And I understand that part of the frustration is there's a salary cap and every dollar one guy makes is one less dollar that's available for everyone else. Well, you know what? That assumes the owners spend up to the limit. And they all don't spend up to the limit. They don't. There's a four-year rolling cash average. You can pocket a lot of money. And it's all raw profit, right? I can spend $178 million up to. Any penny I spend less than that, and it's an easy way to cut costs. You know how hard it is to cut costs for a business? Some businesses just say, we're not even going to try to obsess over costs. We're going to focus on generating revenue. This is an easy way for owners to cut costs and just squirrel money away. If you if you come in one million under the cap, that's a million dollars. Just a million dollars. Boom, there it is. So the owners, a hell, I just it's a different stratosphere. It's not even close. But because we're conditioned to think these guys are all they're all filthy rich? No, they're not all filthy rich. And the players exit the game with broken bodies, brains they have to worry, have been impaired by football. They, they earn their money through the constant physical risk they take of a serious injury, a Ryan Shazier-type injury that ends their career immediately. And yet, we side with the billionaires. The billionaires got it great. So, yes, Arthur Blank is uneasy that Julio Jones is palling around with T.O. because there's a chance Julio Jones is going to say, screw this, $10.5 million? Matt Ryan's worth 30 If he's worth 30 I'm at least worth 20 So, to any guy out there who is taking a stand for more, I say go for it, as long as you understand the risks involved. And the risk is that you're going to lose some money trying to make more money. $84,000 fine for skipping mandatory minicamp, $40,000 a day for skipping training camp. Those are all devices available to players. That's a point I made today on PFT Live, and I want to reiterate this before I move on. Because Bill Polian 
was spouting off last week on ESPN that nonsense about the player has a contract he has to honor it. There's a broader contract between all players and the NFL, and that's the contract that gives the players the ability to hold out and seek more. Because all they had to do was write the CBA to say, for example, if you're under contract and you don't show up within five days of the start of training camp, the team can put you on the exempt did not report list. No, the reserve did not report list and shut you down for the season. That takes away your leverage. They could say if you don't show up for mandatory minicamp, you can be put on the reserve did not report list and be shut down for the season if the team wants to do it. That's the kind of thing that happens if you show up and leave. See, if you show up and leave, you're screwed. If you never show up, you've got options. And your ultimate nuclear option, stay away until week 10. Show up before the Tuesday after week 10. Cash seven game checks. Play in however many games they're comfortable letting you play in because you've skipped everything, including the first 10 weeks of the regular season. And then you get that year of credit towards your contract. The only caveat, if you have fewer than four years of service and you do that, it's going to be hard to become a free agent because guys under contract have to show up within 30 days of the first regular season game or they don't gain a year of credit toward free agency. So players have options. We'll see how many of them take a stand. We'll see if the Terrell Owens influence causes Julio Jones to do what he has to do to get paid. He's closing in on 30. The Falcons control his rights for five years. That would be three years of his contract, two years of free agency. No, franchise tag before he would hit free agency. All right, let's see what kind of questions we have today from the PFTPM Posse. Skull Vikings Go has this question. With the success of Bill Parcells and Bill Belichick, what kind of success can you see Mike Zimmer sustaining with his hard-nosed, no-bullshit attitude like his mentors? I think the more successful you are, the easier it is to get away with that. I've got a concern about whether or not there's the same attention to detail from Zimmer that Belichick has. Because I think that teams caught up with the Vikings by the time the playoffs came around. And maybe the Vikings were just comfortable. They were too comfortable. They were complacent. They didn't change enough. I think the Eagles cracked the code of the Vikings defense. I think the Eagles cracked the code of the Vikings offense. And I think it made it a hell of a lot harder for the Vikings to score points. And something clicked for the Saints in the second half of the divisional game. The Vikings nearly squandered. So I think that there needs to be, and I think Zimmer has admitted this, when they get to the postseason again, they, they need to be willing to make changes aimed at duping the opponent. So much of football, successful football, is duping the opponent. You're not going to have clear physical superiority. Not at that level. College, yes. Pro, no. You got to be able to make the opponent think you're doing something other than what you're doing or keep them guessing long enough to establish an advantage. That's why the run pass option is so good. And that's why it was beneficial for the Eagles to have guys like Harrison Smith, one of the best defensive players in the game, caught flat footed trying to figure out what the hell is going to happen. PFT PM Posse member PFT Sponge asks this with RG3 saying he wants to nurture Lamar. Does he provide the most value by telling him to not do telling him what not to do so he can avoid career-altering injuries and mistakes. You know, we, we kind of made that point on PFT Live today. I think that RG3 is becoming very self-aware, and I think he realizes his value 
as a quarterback does not come from a guy who's going to play. And it doesn't necessarily come from a guy who's going to back up the starter. His value over the next 10 years, and you can make decent money. I mean, I know he came in and made huge money relative to other players because he was the second overall pick in the draft six years ago. But he can make more money than he would make in any other job as a guy who helps nurture young quarterbacks. And if you come in with no ego, no agenda, no spite, no resentment, and a willingness to say, I'm going to help this guy get to the point where he's the best quarterback he can be, and then my work here is done, and you can go ahead and cut me. Now, look, he's not going to make much money this year if the Ravens cut him before week one, which they may do, and he may be shit out of luck this season. But I think his hope is that he can carry this nurturing all the way through Lamar Jackson's rookie year, and then next year he can go nurture someone else. But yes, telling him to take the George Costanza approach, hey, Lamar, don't do what I did. Hey, Lamar, don't be like me. The Mike Florio burner account, which is not maintained by Faisal, but by another person whose name, last name we've mispronounced in the past, multiple ways incorrectly. Vacation next week, heading to Southern Oregon, Northern California, Redwoods area. Any suggestions for places to see or eat? We were in Healdsburg for a wedding a couple of weeks ago. PFT Live coordinating producer Matt Casey, who also will be more involved, I think, in the PFT PM podcast. I'm leaving him alone because he's got some work to do. He's involved in the coverage of the NHL draft, and then he's taking his honeymoon. But we were in Healdsburg, and we ate at several different places. And, of course, two and a half weeks later, I can't remember the names of any of them. There's, there's a lot of good places there. You can't go wrong. There was a New Orleans place where we had breakfast that was really good. Can't remember the name of it. Parish Cafe, I think, is the name of it. But that's just Healdsburg. We didn't get very far beyond Healdsburg. I didn't want to rent a car. This was a point of contention, a rare point of contention that I prevailed on. We flew to San Francisco, and the flight left Pittsburgh 5.30 in the afternoon five-hour flight. It arrived in San Francisco at about 7.45 p.m. local time or 10.45 p.m. as far as my body clock was concerned. And I'd been up since five because we did the show before we left. I didn't want to drive a car because it was a two-hour drive from the airport to wine country. So we didn't have, we didn't rent a car. And then like the last day we were there, my wife realized we could have rented a car and had it brought to us. And I kind of knew that, but I just, I don't like, I, I just don't like driving in an area where I don't know where I am. I don't drive a whole lot anymore because I don't go anywhere to work. I'm at home. I like driving around town. I like going out on the interstate, taking the, the Alfa Romeo out there and, you know, loosening the gaskets while respecting all posted speed limits. But I just don't like driving. So we didn't drive very far beyond Hillsburg because we didn't have a car. So I can't help you much. And I've never been to Oregon. I need to make a list of all the states I've been to. Oregon is one of the states I haven't been to. And it's not that close to Northern California. It's, it's a whole... It's, the, you know, people on the East Coast think that the West Coast, like, everything's as compact as it is here. Look at a map. It's a long-ass drive from San Francisco to L.A. And when you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, it's a long-ass drive to Oregon. 
or to Nevada. No, it's about three, four hours to Nevada. Lake Tahoe, very nice. Didn't make it this time, been there before. All right, enough of that. Not that it's a bad question, I'm just not really adding much to the discourse by prattling on about how far it is to drive from San Francisco to Lake Tahoe. PFTPM Posse asks, why is Washington linebacker Zach Brown pissed at Terrell Pryor for actually using practice to get better? Isn't the practice the best time for receivers to perfect circus-type catches? Can the NFL discipline players for what happens during these camp scrimmages, for example, if Zach Brown cheap shots him? Usually what happens is, I think the NFL stays out of it and lets the team impose the discipline. I think that's what happens. These joint practices can be a powder keg, though, and a lot of coaches will only do them with teams and coaches they trust. Remember when the Texans got hard knocks a few years ago? The Saints pulled out of joint practices because the Saints were concerned. You have these joint practices that are televised, that are taped. You got a bunch of guys trying to be hard asses, and they cross the line. And the more fights you have, the greater the opportunity for an unnecessary injury. Now, we played some of the audio today during a, our TV break because what we have on our radio clock, we've got four segments every hour. And there's, I don't know, five, six minutes in between segments for radio. The TV breaks aren't as long, so we come back in the middle. You know, like on Dan Patrick's show, they come back and they're just like kind of hanging out and they're talking about stuff and busting each other's balls. We actually do produce segments, so... We had a segment, probably two and a half minute segment on Zach Brown, and we played the sound, and he was laughing and joking about getting a shot at Terrell Pryor, and Jay Gruden can't help him now. And you, you got the impression that the defensive players in Washington were just a little bit pissed off about Terrell Pryor showing off last year with the one handed catches. But right, that's where you practice, that's where you perfect it. Now, Pryor never lived up to it during the regular season. But the idea that Zach Brown or any other Washington player would be using this to take shots at Terrell Pryor, that's not what these joint practices are supposed to be about. And if I'm Todd Bowles, the coach of the Jets, I'm giving Jay Gruden a call saying, look, I just want to make sure one thing here, Jay, that we're not going to come down there to Richmond to practice with your team, and it's going to be Terrell Pryor with a target on his back. Because I'm trying to get my guys reps. I don't want to get my guys hurt. And you you want the same, I assume. So are we on the same page here? And, and they can work all that out and make sure they're on the same page. And then it's on Gruden to discipline his guys if they cross the line. PFTPM Posse asks, the NFLPA warned its members about Trident creatine, and the NFL issued a broad memo to avoid all weight-reducing enhancement, male enhancement, IVs, IV cocktails, actually. If and when the NFL discovers a dirty supplement, are they required to warn players they didn't in star caps? Great memory, PFTM, PFTPM posse, great memory. Because that was why I thought Kevin Williams and Pat Williams, both formerly with the Vikings, had a very strong argument when they went to court to fight their suspension because the NFL knew that star caps had been tainted with a prescription diuretic. That's what made it such a potent weight loss supplement. You put a prescription diuretic in there. Hey, that's the special ingredient. That's the secret sauce. It's a drug, a banned substance that causes you to shed water weight. Oh, this weight loss supplement is incredible. Yeah, of course it is because it's spiked with a drug spiked with prescription medication. And they didn't tell the NFLPA about it. They knew about it, and they didn't tell them. Now, ultimately, Pat Williams managed to stave off the suspension long enough to retire. 
Kevin Williams ultimately served two games, I think it was. I mean, the NFL was at fault there. That was shameful. That was one of the first times. And that happened, I think, 2008, 2009-ish. That was one of the first times that I looked a little askance at the NFL. Right? Because I came into this business, the NFL is the shield. And the NFL is the conglomerate of teams. And I'm a fan of the NFL. And StarCaps was the first time I realized that there's a disconnect between the teams of the NFL and the NFL league office where stuff happens from time to time that isn't always kosher and that they have their agenda. And specifically under Roger Goodell, and I remember back in 2006, once Roger Goodell got the commissioner job, I heard agents grousing all the time about how, boy, we can't get deals done anymore on these player disciplinary issues and they're going for the top penalty on everything and it's all, you know, remember the enforcer, It was all about discipline, discipline, discipline. And the problem is when you are so defined by your ability to successfully implement discipline, sometimes you go a little too far in your effort to prove that you're right. Because the attitude is we're throwing the book at everyone. Well, sometimes the person doesn't deserve having the book thrown at them. Doesn't matter. We're throwing the book at everyone. See, a commissioner like Paul Tagliabue may have said with his star caps thing, wait a minute, something's not right here. You mean to tell me we knew? That this stuff was spiked with a banned substance? We didn't bother to tell the NFLPA? See, I think they like catching fringe PED users because that helps create the sense that they have a system in place that works. You know, on one hand, if you have too many PED users, it looks like a cesspool of cheating. But if you catch just enough, the message sent to the public is, we got this. Yeah, we catch all the cheaters. Well, if you listen to the guys who get caught... Not a single one of them deliberately cheated. I took a spike supplement. I don't know what happened. But you're correct, PFTPM posse. If the NFL discovers a dirty supplement, hey, it's on the NFLPA to do it, to figure it out too. And that's why the NFLPA figured out Trident creatine is a banned substance. They test them. They test the, available, the various available supplements. And if they have a banned substance, then they know to stay away. They, they make a list available to the players as to what they can use. Now, I don't know that Trident creatine was on the approved list. That wasn't mentioned in the memo. But in the NFL and the NFLPA have worked together to come up with an approved list of supplements. The problem is some of these guys want to do something different. They don't like the available approved supplements. They try something else. And when you do that, you're rolling the dice on a possible PED suspension. Mike Likes Dirt asks... Is the best thing about saying, with all due respect, that the amount of respect due may be zero? Hashtag, life is rated R. Hashtag, Ricky Bobby. Yeah, I've been doing that shtick, I don't know, ever since we started the radio show, with all due respect. I just love that, and and it's kind of a a, a sarcastic thing, because I don't think you can ever use with all due respect in a respectful way. Like, it always precedes an insult. You never hear... With all due respect, I love that hat. With all due respect, that was the best meal I've ever had in my entire life. Thank you. Nothing good ever comes after with all due respect. And people think that adding with all due respect gives you license to be a dick. Now, I'll admit that, you know, part of what I try to do is give frank, candid, honest opinions on what I think about things. 
And sometimes you come off as a dick, especially to the people who are on the wrong end of those opinions. But I use with all due respect as just a joke because just say what you think. Don't give me this with all due respect bullshit. Just say it. With all due respect doesn't make it any better. Now, I guess at some physiological level, it gives the person a warning, right? Like here it comes. Like you just don't blurt it out like Kramer would. Kramer never says with all due respect. He just says you got butchered or you stink. Now, if he'd say with all due respect, you stink. The person who stinks at least has a heads up that something is coming that that person may find offensive or objectionable in some way. And maybe, maybe at some level, maybe the pheromones kick in. You hear with all due respect, you're ready for it. It doesn't sting as much. I don't know. But that's why I do it. Because I think that it's a worthless phrase that never excuses being an asshole. Just be an asshole. Don't apologize for it. Don't halfway be an asshole. If you're an asshole, you're an asshole. If you're going to say something assholish, then just do it. And, and I'm not a fan of gratuitous assholery. But I'm also not a fan of pulling punches. I mean, we're in this business to share opinions. So, but I do that with all due respect. Just because it, it, it's, I just, I'm, I'm humored by the fact that people think that makes a difference. All right, enough of that. PFTPM Posse member Mike Likes Dirt. Would you lobby to get downloadable custom announcers for EA Madden NFL? I'd pay five bucks to have Paul Allen calling games. Boswell61 jumps in and says yes. He wants Mitch Holtus, voice of the Chiefs. That's a hell of an idea. That's a hell of an idea. That if you are a fan... I don't know how much that complicates the game. I don't know how much the... And I remember back in the early days where the most audio you got was, he'll fill that in the morning. It was very limited. It was like Woody from Toy Story. You had five or six different phrases that would pop out. And I always got excited when it was a play that got John Madden to speak. Even though I knew that was kind of lame. But, you know, we're on the new end of this technology where you bring the arcade home. And it felt unlimited. And I remember thinking in the early 90s, one of these days it's going to be so much better than it is now. And I remember buying football video game after football video game. And every new system that came out, I had to get the system and get the football game. Because it was this quest to find the best possible football simulation. And I just remember thinking, one of these days the audio is going to be just like it is when you watch a game. And it's, as cl- it's close now. Some of the patterns come up over and over again. I think it's impossible, especially if you play it an hour to an hour and a half a day like I do. You're going to hear some of the same stuff over and over. But would it be possible to strike deals with the radio teams for the very... That, that just would be great. Then what do you do if you're playing Ultimate Team? I guess it would be the home teams, radio crew. But boy, that would be a lot. You just have, have, have a lot of memory. You'd have a lot of stuff downloaded onto your PS4 to accommodate that. I don't know how easy it would be, but I think it would be great, and I'd pay the five bucks for it. It'd be great to have Paul Allen on there. Recliner QB, can you recall in the past when a position besides Q 
kicker, punter, long snapper has been basically ignored in free agency like safety this year. The only odd detail I see here is there really aren't many superstar safeties at the moment, though I don't know if how that's relevant. I mean, Morgan Burnett got signed, decent contract. Tyron Matthew, yeah, running back in the past, I think. I think what's happened is there was a period where running backs thought they were worth a hell of a lot more than they were, and they ended up lingering because the money just wasn't there. It is odd. It really is odd. Safety is a fairly important position. Now, back when there was greater use of the cover two, Tampa two, I think safeties were even more valuable. Now it's it's skewed toward corners, right? Coverage guys. I think safeties have fallen into that that sense of of fungibility. And part of the problem for Eric Reed, who's still looking for a job and who believes that he's being colluded against by the NFL for his involvement in the anthem dispute, you know, if he played another position, maybe it'd be easier to prove. At the CJ Newman wants to know where the PFT PM t-shirts are. I got to get my nephew on this. I think he's doing some work with the NHL draft as well. He works for the NHL. He's going to Dallas for the draft. He had some other conference. He's visiting here for the 4th of July, or at least that week at some point. So I'll, I'll crack on him then, if not sooner. At Recliner QB, while it's just business as usual for Bill Belichick and the Patriots, it seems like shopping Gronkowski could permanently damage that relationship. Gronkowski has already been stifled there and probably feels like he's been quite underpaid, including his injuries and underappreciated. Yeah, look, I don't know how close it ever got. It never got close enough that Gronkowski was contacted and posed that question, hey, how would you like to play for the Lions or the Texans or this team or that team? Because... From February to March to April, late April, we didn't know whether or not Gronk was even going to play. At some point, a phone call would have had to be made. A team's not going to trade for Gronk without knowing that he wants to play. And maybe he wants more to play for a team like the Browns and he'd want to play for a team like the Patriots. So I don't know that it affects the relationship. What will affect the relationship a lot more is if they don't work out a new contract before training camp starts. Last year at this time, they already had the revised contract done. I think this year the Patriots probably would like to do the incentive package again because then it's a good problem to have if you owe him an extra $5.5 because that means he had an all-pro season and that kicked in the full 5.5 being the AP all-pro for last year. I think Gronk probably wants a little more security because from Gronk's perspective, he's smart enough to know that there's there's a, a luck factor involved, and your luck may run out. And maybe he's due to get injured this year. And if he's due to get injured and he can't hit his triggers, he doesn't get any extra money. And at $8 million, he is underpaid. Jimmy Graham's at 10 Trey Burton's at 8 Gronk is underpaid. Recliner QB, Julio Jones needs to tell the Falcons that it isn't T.O. influencing this. It's Arthur Blank saying Matt's getting what he earned. League club revenue is up. New stadiums and players are the heart of the game. We all know the market for great quarterbacks. Do those not apply to Julio? That's a good point. You come out and say league revenue is up, club revenue is up. Matt's getting what he's earned. Okay, what have I earned? Well, you're under contract for three more years. You've already gotten your payday. See, the problem is you got... Agents still keep agreeing to these ultra-long-term deals. Zach Martin agreed to a six-year extension last week. Aaron Rodgers signed in 2013 through 2019. Kirk Cousins got it right. Now, Kirk Cousins had the leverage to get it right because he was an unrestricted free agent, and all he had to say is, I'm only doing a three-year deal. That's the way to do it. And that's what Julio Jones should have done. But then again, he would have had to push his way 
to free agency to get there. I think that somebody needs to enter the NFL with the attitude that I'm going to finish my rookie contract, I'm going to let them tag me twice, and then I'm going to become a free agent, and I'm going to dictate. I'm going to do one-year deal, two-year deal, three-year deal, and I'm going to bounce from team to team or contract to contract, and I'm going to keep coming back to the trough. Because if they're only going to guarantee me the first two or three years anyway, that's all I want. Why should I commit to year four, five, and six when year four, five, and six isn't going to pay me what I'm worth? I think that's the message for the players out there, and the agents need to be implementing that as well. If the agents want to stave off this trend of players representing themselves, the agents need to start doing a better job of keeping players from getting stuck on the shitty back end of long-term deals, year four, five, and six. D Tony B seventy one, do you think rookie contracts get changed in the next CBA, specifically terms, two year with third year option for the first, no franchise tag, having a player especially especially running back locked for the first seven years of careers seems unfair as shit. Players voting on the CBA will have played under current rules. Here's the problem. How do you get veteran players motivated to do anything that will help guys who have yet to sign an NFL contract? How do you do it? It would have to, at a minimum, apply retroactively. If there's new rules of shorter periods of time before free agency, you can't continue to lock in the guys who already have their contracts. They have to retroactively have their contracts shortened. And then what if you're a guy who wouldn't have been a free agent? Now, all of a sudden, boom, you're a free agent. There's a lot of issues here. But I remember when they were putting in the rookie wage scale, the attitude was do it because it's not going to affect the guys who are already in the league. Well, it is affecting now the guys who are already in the league because rookies are so much cheaper Teams skew toward them, and they don't want to pay veterans what maybe they have earned because the disparity is just too big. And also, when you don't have high-priced rookies who earn second contracts and they can leverage gigantic franchise tag numbers like Indomitian Sue did, that's how he got to the market. His franchise tag in Detroit would have been $26 million. This was three or four years ago. The Lions couldn't do it. He goes to the market, and he gets $20 million a year. And that helps push the market up for other players. Larry Fitzgerald did that. That dynamic is gone now. And your only chance at getting that market value number, you got if you're a first-round pick, you do have seven years where you're locked up before you get to the Kirk Cousins point where the team can't keep you because they'd have to give you either quarterback money under the franchise tag or a 44% raise over your, your seventh-year salary cap number. At the Real Forno... You've spoken at length about how the injury report and gambling are linked and how it can change sports as we know it. One issue that hasn't been discussed is Andrew Luck. How would the Colts lying to us about him have been handled by the NFL? the, The problem is the Colts never lied about him on an injury report, so it never affected the integrity of the game. They never said he was going to play and he didn't play. The issue with the Colts, and I still am surprised, and people in Indianapolis get pissed at me when I say this, but all due respect, I'm going to say it. I'm surprised there wasn't some industrious young lawyer in Indianapolis who didn't look at what happened last year and file a lawsuit alleging negligent misrepresentation at a minimum, outright fraud at a maximum against the Colts, a class action on behalf of all season ticket holders. Because those people bought season tickets last year in reliance upon the representation from Jim Irsay that Andrew Luck would be ready for week one. And I know the questions would be like, well, many things can happen to keep a guy from being ready for week one. He could show up for the start of training camp and he could fall down the steps and break his leg and not play at all that year. Yeah, but that didn't happen. 
There was a specific misrepresentation about Luck's ability to recover from a shoulder surgery that happened in January of 2017, and he'd be back for week one, and he wasn't. And they kept reinforcing the falsehood, whether it was cockeyed optimism or flat-out fraud. I'm surprised there wasn't one lawyer in Indianapolis who has a friend who's a season ticket holder who's sufficiently pissed off about spending all that money to watch the Scott Tolzien Jacoby Brissett show and off you go with a class action. Now, look, it would be very aggressively defended by the Colts because of the money involved. And you would have some people in the class who would truthfully testify, would have bought the tickets anyway. I'm a huge Colts fan. I don't care who the quarterback is. Doesn't need to be Andrew Luck. I'm still coming to the games. So the challenge would be finding people who could truthfully say, I wouldn't have bought the tickets. That's the only thing that I think would have come out of this. I don't think the league does anything about it. And look, nothing came out of it. And uh, I don't think anything will. But it's not, it's not an injury report issue. It's not an integrity of the game issue. Because there was never, as the season approached, any belief. on you know, He was always out. He was never in then out. The problem is you have a guy who is listed as in and then doesn't play. Or a guy who has some injury that affects him like LeBron James' broken hand, and you don't find out about it until later. It's completely hidden from the injury report. Full transparency for injuries is what the NFL is going to need to avoid scandals related to gambling. Big Jordy 3000 asks, with the impending end of kickoffs, what is the plan for onside kicks? A two-score game with five minutes left becomes basically decided. The NFL planning on gamblers' interest late in games over under slash spread for... Uh, making a game up and basically the over ratings slash viewing wise. Well, here's what I think happens. And this is a, an indication to me that, that, you know, even though there's been a lot of talk about the kickoff going away, a lot of people haven't really thought it through and they haven't been paying attention to it because only recently did people begin to think maybe the kickoff goes away. And I think the changes, the dramatic changes to the kickoff rule aimed at getting people comfortable with the idea that the kickoff may go away. I think if the kickoff goes away, one of two things is going to happen. One, the default will be you get the ball at the 25. If you want to try to maintain possession, you get the ball 4th and 15 from your own 30. If you convert, you keep possession. If you don't, the other team gets the ball at the spot where the play ended, either at the 30 or if you gain 14 yards or whatever the case may be. That's one way to do it. I don't like that, though, because it isn't complete. It simulates a kickoff out of bounds, kickoff out of the end zone, puts the ball at the 25. It simulates going for an onside kick when everyone knows you need to go for an onside kick. I like just making it 4th and 15 from the 30. You punt it. That's the simulation of the kickoff. You go for it. That's the simulation of the planned known onside kick. You run a fake punt. That's the simulation of the first play of the second half of Super Bowl 44 when the Saints stunned the Colts. And also, when we talked about this earlier, I'm fascinated by what you could do. Let's say late in the game, you score a touchdown, you're still down three or seven. There's two minutes left. You have three timeouts. You put your offense out there. All right, here we go, Jim. They're going for it here. They're, they're trying to maintain possession now. Quarterback gets the ball. The base defense is in. Quarterback does a one-step punt. Ball goes over everyone's head, bounces around, comes to rest at the three. Other team has the ball with a one-score lead. 
and the defense has three timeouts. Stuff them once, stuff them twice, stuff them three times, punt. You got a short field. And you got a chance to win the game. And you have to ask yourself, what's my better play? That, if I can pin him inside the five, that's my better play than putting all eggs in the fourth and 15 basket. Now, if you still have three timeouts, you can maybe stop them, but they're, they're going to be on the, your 30. They kick a field goal. So I hope that's what they do if they get rid of kickoffs. And frankly, and I know people don't like to see things change, but my gosh, I'm fascinated by all the different things that could happen on that play and what an exciting play that could be. And you still have a kick, you have a punt. I, I, I love what you could do with that play. And, and maybe this half measure is aimed at, at getting people comfortable with the idea that eventually that's where this is going. The Real Forno says, I just scored an autographed jersey of my favorite player, Warren Moon, this afternoon. What's the coolest piece of sports memorabilia that you own? I, I'm not real big into sports memorabilia. What do I have down at the barn? Do I have anything down at the barn that would count as sports memorabilia? Not really. Nothing personalized. Just like some McFarland figures. Small helmets. They're adorned all over the place. Nothing signed. I don't like... I don't really, I'm not a big fan on things signed. I have a, a framed Larry Fitzgerald signed jersey. NBC sent it to me the first Christmas that we were together. The nine-year anniversary is coming up on July 1, by the way. And I also do have this. I, I do have a couple of seats from the Metrodome in my office. That's a fairly cool piece of, of memorabilia. When those were for sale, I, I bought them and had them shipped down here. I figured, what the hell? And they're functional. I got them mounted on a nice big board. You can sit on them. Because I remember seeing somewhere that, I remember like like 20 years ago, there was a profile of Keith Olbermann. He had seats from some stadium. And I saw, hey, they're closing that stadium. These seats are available. What the hell? I'm getting two of them. Seats 37 and 38. I have no idea what row or section they came from, but they're number 37 and 38. They're dark blue. The seats in the new stadium are like stark purple. So I guess that's probably the coolest. Is that mem- Does that count as memorabilia? I don't know. Probably does. If so, that's it. All right, let's see what else we have here. Uh, da, da, da. Can we get Mrs. Florio on PFTPM? Would like to hear her perspective about PFT starting out. That's from at Tree True. I don't think she'd want to. I don't know. I'll have to mention it to her and see what she says. I'll tell her, hey, you know, there's a request that you make an appearance on PFTPM. One thing I am trying to do, and I'm waiting for the right time to do it, I'm trying to get the kid on here. I'm trying to get him to do this. I think he's a little intimidated, but he's young, he's 21. But, you know, one of these days, i got to hand this thing over to somebody. I either sell it or give it to somebody in the family. And what am I going to do? I guess I could just sell it when I'm done. But I've been thinking about trying to get him on here from time to time. He could bust my balls. And trust me, he's very good at it. Last night, I was working down in the, in the basement, which really isn't a basement per se. It's fairly nice, but there's like a kitchen down there and big area where our new puppy can run around. And I, I'm down there a lot now because the puppy stays down there. The puppy has not been granted access to the upstairs yet. We want to keep the puppy confined to the downstairs because that's where the puppy goes outside to do her puppy business but anyway I had my computer open and I had Twitter open 
And he almost tweeted something inappropriate in jest. So I, I thought that I appreciated that. He almost did it. And I got a kick out of that. So, you know, I've been thinking about giving him a chance to come on here and say what he wants to say. It, I, it'd be kind of weird, like, you know, cussing and and just kind of having a free-form discussion with him involved. But I may bring him in one day, see what he has to say. It'll take him a little time. You know, it's not the easiest thing in the world to get used to. It takes a lot of reps to get to the point where you can just kind of just pop off whatever you want to say. It really does. All right, what's next? At Dirtbag1327, who's better at trash-talking kids, Chris Sims or Cam Newton? I'd say Chris Sims. I'd say Chris Sims has it down pat. And that question came up because Chris Sims was on PFT Live today, and he said he used to play Madden when he was playing in the NFL, and he was so into it, he would, like, trash-talk 12-year-old kids through the headset. And he would do, like, audibles and run NFL schemes and and just, like, blow them away. He said he would, he would like, pay attention to his record. It was, like, 127 and 13. Funny. I'm trying to get him to get a PS4 so he and I can play. At the Impact 99, how important is the success of the Bills this year to the organization and fan base? Seems like the Bills, the Dolphins, and the Jets may still be playing for post-Brady. I, I don't know that it's critical that the Bills be successful this year in the sense that they have to get back to the playoffs. I mean, it had been a generation since they'd been there. I think it's a lot to expect two straight appearances. But is Josh Allen the guy? Because if he's the guy, you're going to be relevant every year. You're going to contend every year. You're going to be in the playoffs a lot more often than not. Andrew Yeh, why are the Colts so secretive about Andrew Luck's injury? Is it all about selling hope for the coming season? It's bizarre that a shoulder injury has led to the need to use a smaller ball. My guess is he has hand weakness from a nerve issue related to the shoulder. Yeah, this whole this whole undersized ball thing and mental block over throwing a full-size ball, that's alarming to me. And Colts fans get pissed at me. And I understand you don't want anything to rain on your hope. You want to believe everything is going to be fine. When else have we had a quarterback that can't throw a regulation ball? A quarterback who says he had a mental block about throwing a regulation ball. As I said last week, if you're a golfer and all of a sudden the seven iron ain't working, you can go to the six or the eight. If you're a quarterback and the regulation ball ain't working, there's nothing else you can do. So I believe that I won't believe anything any anyone from the Colts has to say about Andrew Luck until I see it. At PFTPM Posse, during your forced hiatus, you should read Loyal OG PFTPM Posse member at Skullbones Bar mystery thriller novel. I can send you a copy if you would like. All right, I'll check it out. What have I been, what have, what have I been reading? I finally finished Mr. Mercedes. I had started and stopped it twice. And I decided after I finished, what was I reading? What did I read? My gosh. Isn't it funny how you read a book and then you completely forget what you read? I read something that I really liked, and I liked it so much I can't remember what it was. I think it was nonfiction. Let me open this books thing here and see if I can tell what I read. Oh, I read I read 1984 and Animal Farm, back to back, bottom together. And so I said, I'm going to keep going. And I started Mr. Mercedes over again, and, and it really is kind of slow. And I don't think it's Stephen King's best work, but there's a point where it, it, it cranks up. And it got pretty good. I hung in long enough for it to crank up, and I finished it. I'm reading Anthony Bourdain's Kitchen Confidential now, which is actually pretty good. Although there's a lot of terms in there, a lot of cooking terms. I don't know what the hell he's talking about. I don't, and I don't, I, I just like, I don't really care enough to hit the button and have it defined for me. Some fancy French dish. Like I'm going to be stumbling around Paris one day and want to get that thing that I can't even 
remember or would not even be able to pronounce if I could even remember what the word was. So uh, I'll check that out. I'm going to read a lot during the during the four weeks. Or, or, or not. We'll see. My burner account is Bill Belichick waiting for the Patriots to struggle early to prove that his strict system works and then tighten the reins even more so than before. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think he wants a win. Period. And this is his way of doing it. Recliner QB, am I still the only one waiting for Mark Garrigus's promised dramatic turn in the Kaepernick collusion grievance? It's been three weeks. How long does this dramatic turn take? Come on, Mark, spill the goods already. Yeah, look, I, I've, I've mentioned that a few times. You can't say that the case is about to take a dramatic turn. About to means it's going to happen. Someone's going to dime out the NFL. That was three weeks ago as of Wednesday. And I said this is significant for two reasons. Somebody is either going to dime out the NFL or Mark Garrigus will have written a check that he can't honor. At Valley Man 12, is the family going on vacation during your forced exile? We've identified one week where I think we can go away. Now we have the puppy to deal with, but we, we can handle that. We're trying to figure out where to go. But we'll have some visitors here over the summertime. I like having people here. Family's going to be down for the fourth. We do an NBC summit here every year. The, the guys from the PFT Live show come down. We'll see if Sims makes it. Sims, Stats, Matt Casey, our buddy Bobby V from Chicago comes in for a couple days. We end up eating way too much, drinking way too much, and at some point there will be a screening of Goodfellas. That's part of the, the tradition. And the question is, how long can I stay awake? How, how deep into Goodfellas do I make it once we settle in to watch Goodfellas? At Valley Man 12, does Sam Darnold get on the field in a regular season game before Baker Mayfield? I think yes. I think the Jets are willing to go with Darnold this year. I think the Browns, for a variety of reasons, which we've been discussing at PFT Live and elsewhere, the Browns want to put Mayfield on ice this year. And and I think it would be the quintessential Browns outcome if the Browns end up being great with Tyrod Taylor. And then after this year, what the hell do you do? What do you do? Do you let Taylor walk away and elevate Mayfield? Or do you keep Taylor for another year and keep Mayfield on ice and say, well, Aaron Rodgers was on the bench for three years. All right, I probably should uh, should wrap it up. What else do we... If, if I didn't get... Because I've already gone for an hour. If I didn't get to your question today, ask it again tomorrow. What is this here? How do you feel about Bethesda revealing that West Virginia is the setting for the upcoming Fallout 76 game? I never knew West Virginia was ground zero for the nuclear holocaust. I didn't either. That's Matt and Beantown. I don't even know what Fallout 76 is. Reverend Markworth over under Vikings at 11 wins. I'll go under. Sorry. Sorry, Vikings fans. Reverend Markworth over under how many days of training camp does Julio Jones miss? I'm going to go over under .5, and I think I'm going to take the under. I think they're going to get this worked out. I think they're going to give him a contract that's a blend of more money plus Easily attainable incentives. At PFT to pay. Thank you. How is this going to work during your hiatus from TV? I'm glad you asked. Here's what I'm going to do. Because this whole thing came to be last year during the radio TV hiatus. I wanted to have fresh content for the people who subscribe to the PFT Live podcast. So I started doing a half hour in the afternoons. And it went into the PFT Live podcast account. And then that kind of took off from there. And it's like, hey, you know, people like this. You want to keep doing it? Not really, but what the hell? I'll keep doing it. And uh, I'm going to do it again this year. And what's going to happen is the podcast will be posted to both accounts, PFT Live and PFT PM. So it's going to be a PFT PM takeover of PFT Live, literally. 
So I'll still do PFTPM, except if I'm traveling. But you know what? One thing we've learned, all I need is my phone. I mean, last Friday I did the podcast from down in my kitchen while I was dog sitting. So I can do the podcast from anywhere. I just need a half hour to break away and, and uh, you know, say whatever pops out of my mouth and then off you go. PFT2Pay, will the Ravens implement RPOs for their scheme with Lamar Jackson? I don't know why they wouldn't. They work. Now, it would be more, I don't know, would it be the run-read option? I mean, you can really get creative with RPOs if you've got the read-run threat from Lamar Jackson. Matt and Beantown, what do I do for the one month that I'm off from TV and radio in July? Relax a little, catch up on to-do lists from the misses, etc. I mean, I get my annual physical, which, I, you know, I take care of things like that, dental appointment. Just stuff that that is easy to do when you don't have to be in a certain place at a certain time. My office really needs to be cleaned up. I'll probably do that. Just relax. Sleep a little bit longer. You know, the problem is I'm so used to getting up at 5.15. It takes about a week before I start not waking up at 5.15 anyway. But it's just, it's just nice to have four weeks out of 52 that are just fundamentally different from the rest. And we still work on PFT. I mean, we still crank out content. That's not going away. I'll still get my, my stories in, but that's easy to do. 10 minutes here, 15 minutes there. Story, 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 story. Next thing you know, I got 10, 12, 15 for the day. I'll find a way to do that. That's baked into my routine. But to not have that that morning commitment from 5.15 to 9 every day, it, that gives you a little freedom. And, and you can travel a little bit, do some things, see the world, do whatever. So no specific plans other than some family visits, PFT Summit here, some visits from some friends, and maybe a week that we'll go somewhere. I don't know. We've been thinking about places we can go. We'll see what we do. I, I'm going to defer to my wife and my son on where we go. All right. I probably should go now. It's been an hour or maybe more. If I didn't get to your question, please feel free to ask it tomorrow because there, there there's you know, not a lot going on. So I should have time to answer all your questions this week. Thanks, as always, for your support of the PFTPM podcast, PFT Live tomorrow. I think we have Jalen Mills, the Eagles cornerback, on the program. We're going to have Dak Prescott on tomorrow's PFTPM. And it may just be... Prescott interview tomorrow. I don't know how much I'm going to get to tomorrow. We'll see. But we do have Dak Prescott tomorrow for PFTPM. And uh, that'll also be on PFT Live. It'll probably be, I, I don't know how much time we have with him, but sometimes we do like the full version on PFTPM and the condensed version on PFT Live. And then Friday is our last PFT Live for the hiatus. So we're going to go out with a bang. And, uh, and But we're still going to keep doing PFTPM. Good news, PFTPM isn't going anywhere, except on the days when I don't do it. But you are, you're already used to that. There'll at least be two or three a week while I'm on hiatus. Maybe more. We'll see. All right. Thanks, as always. And we'll talk again tomorrow. You can find the PFTPM podcast on Art19, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you like what you hear, and you will, subscribe for automatic downloads. Leave a rating and review. That'll help new listeners find our show and push us up the charts. Search PFTPM for your evening update from Pro Football Talk.